It's Cofield and Company, live at the Thomas and Mack. Thomas and Mack. A three for Hamp, straight away, why not? There it is. Written into the script, every first half, Royce Hamp makes the top of the key three. Check that off the list. Webster with the ball, top of the key, into the lane. Floater to Mwoka. He tips it in as he's pushed out of bounds. What control by David Mwoka. Ball to Bryce Hamilton on the left wing. Catch and shoot three. Is good! It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Good job by the Vast Sound Department at uh, Lotus Broadcasting with the selection of the cuts. Royce Ham, David Mawoka, going to be really important tonight against Wyoming's Graham Ike. Big dude, 6'9", averaging over 20 points a game. They love to throw to him down in the post. So they're going to be on alert to slow down the big from Wyoming. They also have an excellent point guard in Hunter Maldonado, who's a big point guard at 6'6", 6'7". And then, of course, Bryce Hamilton, senior night. Going to need a game from him, a big one been the story all season long and i'm sure he'll be max motivated to perform on what is probably his final game in thomas and mac as a home venue he's going to be here for at least one game next week in the mountain west conference tournament big five time battle born injury lawyers presents the big five at five number five lady rebels are here at six o'clock men are playing here at seven thirty Two facilities, Cox Pavilion and Thomas and Mack. Ladies game is on uh, your view, Cox 10-14. I'll be on the call of that game with Matt Neverett. Come over for uh, some sideline action on radio on ESPN Las Vegas. Lady Rebels are humming along here. They just suffered a loss uh, two games ago, but they closed out the conference regular season title with a win against CSU. This is a great spot for a final game because you could see them just looking ahead to the Mountain West Conference Women's Tournament. But it's Reno tonight. Right. And it's gonna be no letdown. They can't let down off the you know, the highly emotional win over Colorado State. They bring back the, the trophy and then the same night they come out at halftime and they're introduced during the running rebel games, right? They show off the trophy. So you would think, man, this was like if you could bet UNLV Lady Rebels or women's basketball in a regular season. But as you said, it's senior night, it's UNR. And Lindy LaRock knows that you cannot lose the game before you head into the tournament because last year this team was picked to finish ninth. They finished second, couldn't even get out of the first round, and everyone patted them on the back and said, well, it was a great run for your first season. Lindy don't play that. So she's going to remind the returners. She's got good senior leadership in the, in, in the ladies that came through the transfer portal, and this is a – Somewhat of a must-win, championship or not, and I think all the motivation is there with all the storylines. Number four. So much competition in this town for the sports dollar, right? Mm. Example, UNLV basketball the other night going against the Golden Knights game and going against a Billy Joel concert. You know, Lady Rebels dealing with the same sort of thing in terms of attendance challenges. What happens when there's an NBA team here? Or if there's an NBA team here, say, five years from now, are you... Is your interest piqued by the uh, throwaway comment by one Bill Simmons the other day that the NBA is interested in expanding to Las Vegas and Seattle and the Vegas team could be backed by the Fenway Sports Group and that would involve LeBron James? I am only because it's so detailed. It's so laid out in terms of, you know, 
that the NBA is going to ex- or likely expanding to Las Vegas and Seattle. Those are the two cities that we've constantly heard. Seattle being a little bit in front because it already had a franchise there. Um, now, J- Fenway Sports Grape, James is, I believe, he's already a partner, um, and this is a this is a group that owns the Red Sox, owns the Premier League Liverpool FC. It also uh, owns the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, LeBron James, we know, loves Las Vegas. You know, whether or not that, that it would work is a whole other. How much control he wants to have, I think that's the, the selling point, the hype, is it's LeBron James. Um, whether or not he wants to be, you know, in control of things as much as he just wants to maybe consult or lend his experience. But it would not shock me if if, if – any of this is true only because of the detail. And Bill, you know, the, the fact that this group is, is out of Boston and Simmons is, the you know, Boston-based sports writer, um, there's just so much to it that, that, that and coming out of nowhere, like, there's got to be some substance to it. Whether there's some embellishment, we don't know. Um, but, yeah, I do think that there's something to it. Now, you know, you know this, Steve, I mean, Somebody brings something up, somebody, somebody mentions something, and all of a sudden they run with it. And right? I'm going to whisper in one ear, and by the time it gets to the tenth ear, it's turned into something. So who knows if it just wasn't a, hey, this is something that was said. We don't know. We don't know to the extent, but I, I, I'm intrigued by it. I am. Number three. Another intriguing conversation yes. came on the Doug Gottlieb show the other day, and mm-hmm. I've told people many times on the air, not some inside info, I like Gottlieb's show, so I listen to it in the afternoon. Um, I think it's a good national show, and I do like the fact that they stay away from New York sports, and uh, it's a lot of L.A.-based stuff as well as a you know, Western region uh, resident. Uh, he was talking about a, uh, a night that he spent with Kobe Bryant and having some drinks with Kobe, and Kobe actually said about LeBron in L.A., he said, LeBron, this is according to Doug Gottlieb, Kobe said LeBron does not uh, get to know or understand L.A., um, and he's not built for it the way I'm built. I took negativity, and it fueled me. What do you think of that conversation if it did happen? I think that the way it's being displayed, it, they're, they're, it, they're, we're leaving some parts out. LeBron does not get to know or understand L.A., and he's not built for it the way I'm built for it. But there's more to that, I think, um, if it was said. Um, you and I talked off the air, and I agree 100% with you that I also believe that RIP Kobe, if he were still here with us, you wouldn't appreciate a conversation when you're out having drinks being relayed in, in, in this manner. I don't think that that's – I don't – you know, I'm not sure where he feels it was okay to sort of reveal that. Is it because he's passed? Um, now, I can't read into it, into the conversation. I don't know where he was going with it, what he was trying to say. But I will say this. If if there's any way that LeBron is not built and understand L.A., the franchise, the way Kobe, what maybe he means is guys like Magic Johnson and Kobe Bryant played for one team. LeBron is not built for it because, well, he wanted to win a title, so he went to Miami. He came home and delivered a promise to Cleveland. He went to L.A. and said he was going to bring it back. He won it in the bubble. Goes where he's going to win. Not through the hard times. Is that what he meant? Right. Stick it with he's the also, team. 
He's walking into a situation with extremely high expectations. It's one thing to put, put together the big three in Miami, but Miami had no expectations. Cleveland has never had any expectations. It's the Lakers and the Lakers fans, and Lakers fans are amongst uh, the best and most demanding anywhere in the NBA. There's high expectations, and guess what? He spent 15 years as an outsider. He was walking into a situation where he wasn't going to be instantly loved. He wasn't you know, making a homecoming like he was in Cleveland. He wasn't coming to save a franchise like Miami. It's the Lakers. You win or yeah. else. Yes, okay. Kobe set the standard, Magic, and Kareem set the standard, Wilt set the standard, Jerry West set the standard. Like, for them, it's it's another guy. Like, we expect to have superstars, yep. but you're not saving our franchise. You need to come in here and win and win every freaking year. And that's why this year has been so difficult. Now they've lost, what, seven in a row. They're 27 and 34. I mean, they're, they're, they're playing – I mean, actually, against Dallas, they didn't play horrible basketball, but they found a way to lose again. And, and Kobe, I've told you this in, in the past month that I, I've been watching a lot of interviews with him more and more, finding, digging, and listening. And really what fueled him for the, for, for the other two was – so many people saying now that Shaq's gone, you're not going to win it. I said it. Yeah. Well, I said it from the standpoint that the way the split happened, yeah. that no one, no one good would ever come to play with Kobe again. And they got Pau Gasol, yep. and the rest was history. Yeah, and, and that's what fueled him. And then I saw a great thing that the NBA does where they, they pit two former teammates or friends that maybe had a falling out, and they interview one another. I watched one between Magic and Isaiah, and I watched the one with Shaq and Kobe. Fantastic stuff. You being a basketball guy, you'll love them. Number two. So rumors flying uh, around the combine, you know, mock drafts all over the place. Who could the Raiders take? Do they need an offensive lineman with their first pick? Is it a wide receiver? Uh, could it be a cornerback? Do they need to start stockpiling bigger defensive linemen because they may go to more of a 3-4 look, right? Jordan Davis from Georgia was in a recent mock draft going to the Raiders. I'd watch this one. I'm not saying I'd watch it from the standpoint that I think they're going to take him, but that's a guy that scares me from this standpoint. He's six foot six and 350 pounds and could easily weigh 420. We've seen what happened as Zion Williamson in the NBA. At a certain point, the human body can only carry so much freaking weight. But I'll tell you what, in a three-four, if you can play, you know, most times six-six three fifty. It is attractive, but can he stay in shape? Well, and you know, as Adam told us yesterday from the combine, is Adam Hill. Yeah, Adam Hill told us there's a lot of um, this is where you vet players, right, at the combine and before the draft, and you find out where their character is at. You find out where their work ethic is. You start doing the right, the due diligence in which you're getting. Are you going to get a guy who's that? Why is he that big? When you have a program and facilities like you do, what sort of Regimen did he follow workout-wise, nutrition-wise? Is he coachable? Is he trainable during the off-season? Is he going to go put in the off-work? And I think uh, the off-season work, and I think that's what's important when you vet players like that, and you, especially when the offensive line is a chief concern for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. So um, it, it, it's, 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 a, it's a red flag when you look at someone that big and you just got to find out where their work ethic and where their mindset is before you do anything. But... I've been out to the Raiders facility. I mean, I'm sure a lot of NFL facilities have have top-notch weight class, but, I mean, they do have some good strength and conditioning, depending on which direction McDaniel takes it. But uh, player has to do it, too, though. Yes, and that's what I just said. It's all about what he's going to do during the offseason. So you've got to do the right interviews, and you've got to do the due diligence to find out what kind of kid you're getting. Number one. So Willie's been posing this question for everyone based on uh, some notes from football outsiders. 
that the Raiders are far away from just a few tweaks. What does that mean? Complete overhaul. This is really a six-win team that needs two more years of building. I say no. Adam Hill says yes strongly because he wants to tear it all down and target three years from now. Adam Candy says they're a little further away than you think. Where are you, Willie? I think they're far. I think they're. I think they're more than a few tweaks away. I don't think that they're far from it. Um, and I think what it means in a few tweaks is you can't patchwork that offensive line. You can't patchwork. You know, well, we don't know what he's going to do with the defensive line. And, and like you said, if they if they run the three four, um, I think that they need to look at units as opposed to filling in holes, and they need to make sure they're solidified, like the secondary. You know, uh, Josh Jacobs I think is capable, but I think you want to look at the running uh, the running back room as a whole. The receiving room. You've been very critical of the receiving room. So it's more than just a few tweaks and signing a big-name free agent and, and grabbing a big guy to put on the line. We saw last year on the line, right, they made one switch, putting uh, James at, at center, Leatherwood. Eh, took some time. He had to shift, make a switch down the line. You have to look at it as a whole. So I think when it, when it says few tweaks, you're not patchworking this specific units. You have to maybe overhaul a unit or work it cohesively and blend. Make sure you have the right chemistry and the right talent. If you're going to keep Casey Hayward, if you're going to keep specific DBs, okay, how is this going to work as a whole? Safeties, cornerbacks. Let's do a uh, giveaway right now. Caller 7, caller 7, caller 7, 364-1100. we got Portisub celebrating 50 years as your neighborhood sandwich shop. Call right now. Ari will hook you up with a two-foot Portisub sandwich, 364-1100, and you qualify to win two tickets for the ACMs in town. That's coming up on Monday, March 7th at the Owl. You can get your own tickets at Ticketmaster.com. 20 live performances at this award show. It's the 57th edition of the ACMs, hosted by Dolly Parton. Chris Stapleton is out there. Keen Brown, Marin Morris, Chris Young, and many of your country music favorites at the ACMs, and you have a chance here to win those tickets. You'll definitely get the two-foot Porta Sub sandwich. You can get your own at any of the uh, 20-plus Porta Subs around Las Vegas. Three, six, four, eleven hundred. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Five seven zero nine thousand. Cofield and Company. Cofield and Company. Yeah, it's gonna be very emotional. I'm probably gonna cry in the beginning. I already know, but um. Uh, I'm just, it's been a long ride. I've been in college for a long time, and just to know that it's wrapping up, I might as well just go out with a bang. So I'm going to leave it all out there. Yeah, I got my mom and my dad actually coming the first time they're going to see me play a basketball game. So that's pretty dope. Senior night, running Rebels. That was Mike Nuga. That's a cool angle. He, did you catch what he said at the end? His parents are coming yeah. in from Toronto, mm-hmm. they've never seen him play. Senior night, they get to see him play in a big game, too. From a handicapping standpoint, that's something that you always look for in where in specific teams, specific players, specific storylines, you hope that it doesn't distract and take yeah, away I, from. I wonder what the gambling numbers are on senior nights. You know, if a team gets too amped up mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe plays a little bit of hero ball, the seniors, or if it really backs them, they thrive. There's what? There's three? 
three that are walking tonight. I mean, so, technically, so, there could be five because McCabe and Hampshire could walk if they wanted to. I didn't get any confirmation on those guys. I'm 99% sure that Bryce Hamilton is going to be out there for senior night. We know for sure that Nuga and Bryce Hammer. Because the, the greater number of the seniors – then the coach also feels compelled in getting them some playing time. So if you're 8th, ninth, 10th players or seniors, they start or they get in first off the bench. It's, it's, you in have this to, case, you take those in. For, for, so from a in this case, these three guys yeah. who are going to walk out there, they all start now. Yeah, yeah, so that's a good thing. So, And we'll see with McCabe. From what I've heard, I think he wants to come back for another year, which I, I think they can use him in the rotation of point guards. And this is a great week. You know, you, you still have time. you got a couple hours before tip-off. you got about 35 minutes to get down here to Cox Pavilion for the Lady Rebels. But talk about a great week, man, for Las Vegas. And, Steve, how many weeks? I mean, do is there an over-under of how many times we have said what a great week in Las Vegas for sports? But last night you had a milestone win from a veteran coach of 14 years for your Golden Knights. Tonight, you have a double with the Lady Rebels champions against your in-state rival, followed by the running Rebels. You have conference tournaments starting up across the valley, Pac-12 women. The, the You know, last year, the national championship in women, two from the Pac-12. The number one team in the nation will be here, Gonzaga. The Golden Knights play two more home games this week. I mean, there's just a lot of things going on to be excited for to get hyped up for, and to attend in person with, hey, a lot of things. I really don't like to use that word anymore, but with the relaxation during this pandemic, no mask mandate. I mean, get out here and support the Running Rebels. UNLVTickets.com for both the, uh, the games tonight and also the Mountain West Conference Tournament next week. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. I think after that game, I just had to take a deeper look into myself and, you know, just get back to my old habits and kind of just get a new focus of appreciation for the game and appreciation for my work ethic. And, you know, just going harder, putting even even, even more time in, more time in film and everything I do. And just, you know, meditating, uh, staying on top of my prayers has really just helped me to lock in as a man and just understand myself. Cofield and Company, live from the Thomas and Mac. 7.30 tip for the men, 6 o'clock for the ladies. Ladies over at Cox Pavilion, Thomas and Mac with the men's game against Wyoming. It is senior night, Bryce Hamilton, over 1,500 points in his career. Um, it is expected that he'll be participating in senior night activities. You remember last year, uh, Mbake Jong was in the senior night activities, I think. I, I, I can't remember exactly what was said, but it was suggested by our good friend Chet that he was coming back for another year at UNL. Well, then the coach left, right? We told you pretty much earlier than anyone last year or earlier this year yeah. that T.J. Alterberger was talking to Iowa State and was likely to leave. So then that changed the plans for Mbake, and uh, he landed at Central Florida. And who knows? You know, Bryce Hamilton... He's out there tonight with his family. Who knows what the next couple of months bring. I don't think he's coming back. I think it's time to make money and also time to, to get to the next level and hone your skills against higher and higher level players. Uh, Mike Nuga was talking there on the way back about one of the stories that was uh, kind of big. It didn't blow up because it was on the road. Um, and I also think it was kind of misreported a little bit. But Mike Nuga, after the game at San Francisco, 
was really emotional, got really mad, stormed out of the locker room a couple times. And yeah. some media members were like, man, yeah. is he off the team? And, and Kevin Kruger explained it that, listen, we want guys to express themselves and be able to talk amongst themselves. And he, they, they said, hey, there was nothing wrong with what went down. And then Nuga said, you know what, I, I had to kind of reorganize, get a different process. And, and that, to me, that's what college basketball, college sports is all about is, you know, growing as individuals, getting your degree. And if you play pro sports, you play it. But at least you come out a much more mature, learned person than when you started. Uh, let's talk about the Mountain West Conference Tournament. This guy's an educator. He's a coach. He comes from a coaching family. Richard Patino, the head coach at New Mexico, joins us to talk a little hoopage and also the Mountain West Conference Tournament next week. Coach, how are you? It's Stephen Willie in Vegas. Hey, Steve. Hey, Willie. I, I, I caught the back end of you talking about hopefully Bryce Hamilton's going pro and not coming back, and so I hope that is the case. <laughs> well, he's a good player. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I saw, ready you know, to not see him anymore. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I saw the news yesterday. San Diego State put it out that Matt Bradley's coming back, and uh, I'm sure a lot of the coaches around the conference are like, great, great, great. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't like seeing that tweet. I sent that to my staff, and – I got five thumbs-down emojis in response to it. <laughs> hey, I don't know if you heard us coming in talking about uh, kids on senior night and how special it is, and also the, the maturation of the players, even if you only have them for one year, but just your take on you know kids growing as they go through the process. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard because society and just the environment and the culture that we're in is really pushing against that. Um, and when you do have an opportunity to get somebody to go through your program, it's very, very rare nowadays to get four years. But even if you get multiple years, um, it is why. I mean, people think the college coaches get into coaching solely for the money. We, we actually do get into it. We get paid well, of course, but we want to be a part of their formative years. And none of them ever experience exactly what they thought they were going to experience. And we're constantly talking to them about being better people, being, you know, great in the community, in the classroom, and so on. And, you know, we're, we're kind of second father figures in a lot of ways. So you want them to have a great night. You, you want them to go on and do great things and come back and continue to be a part of it. So I've had some special nights. You, you, want, to, you want to end on a good note for those guys. And coaching now, and you mentioned, you know, keeping around for, you know, three or four years or five years. Coaching now is completely different than it was even, like, ten years ago. Because for the kids, they have so many outside forces. I mean, it used to be, oh, there's AAU and their parents. Now you just have people going at them on social media kind of, you know, that could affect their, their mindset, uh, get them down about where they're at. I mean, just keeping a kid in the same spot for a long time is tough because of all those outside forces. It's really challenging, and unfortunately what happens is, and I felt this, like when I was at Minnesota, I felt it a lot with local kids because, you know, the fans are a little bit more, um, they're a little harder on local players. And the problem with a lot of these families is, you know, their son may play a bad game, and they may see five tweets, and they think that's the whole fan base turning on them. And what they just right. don't realize is it's not. It's just, it's a vehicle that people use to communicate. Normally, the people that communicate on those are a certain type of fan. It's not a real-world indicator. And maybe sometimes it is, um, but it is, it's very, very challenging. And it's definitely changed our game in a lot of ways. There's a lot of positives. I mean, you can communicate. You can get your brand out there a lot of ways. But what I have found hard is... Players think the grass is greener elsewhere because normally when you post something, it's going to be something good. 
maybe a picture or whatever. And it's really not the case. There's going to be adversity wherever you go. There's going to be negative fans. There's going to be positive fans. You just have to learn to deal with it. And you're going to have to learn to deal with that in professional sports if you do stick in fashion. Um, so it hardens you very quickly. Richard Patino, the head coach at New Mexico, is here with us as we're at the Thomas & Mack. Uh, New Mexico is coming to town for the Mountain West Conference Tournament next week. Uh, you mentioned locals, and uh, we had a situation like that where social media hit a guy, Anthony Marshall, really hard. He was a local who stayed in town. But you, you hit on something I, I, I got to address about the local player angle, and uh, maybe I'm putting you on the griddle here. I know at UNLV there are fans here who are like, wait a second, how did Orlando Robinson get out of Vegas and land at Fresno? His mom actually went to UNLV. Um, I always wonder, and I'm sorry, sorry to throw this on you, but did you guys get a chance when you're at Minnesota to evaluate David Roddy, the football player and kind of basketball player? Yeah, so it's funny. I mean, I think our fan base got really bothered with me because I didn't get every local kid. Right. Now, there were certain ones that I certainly wanted and didn't get, but you can't take every local kid. You know, there are so many different dynamics uh, when you have local talent and some of them don't want to play with maybe somebody that you signed. Some of them just know your warts too much versus where a kid comes in for 48, 48 hours and evaluates your program. Um, and some just want to get away. David Roddy was a good player in high school. When I saw him play, I liked him a lot. Uh, I didn't know size-wise how, how, size how it would translate to the Big Ten, but I just thought he was a really good basketball player, and, and I offered him. Um, now, we had a lot of bigs on the roster. He may have had to wait his turn a little bit, maybe not as much because he's such a good player. Um, but the bottom line is I truly believe he chose the right place. Who knows with Orlando Robinson? Uh, he chose the right place. I mean, he's flourishing. So Roddy was a really good player. He was undersized. Um, you weren't sure where it would translate. And I think I picked the perfect situation for him. And, uh, you know, he made the smart call. He really did. I took a kid, Jamal Mashburn Jr., here, who he may have had some other kind of high, high major situations where he could have gone, but he chose to come with me, and I think he's going to be newcomer of the year in the conference. It's been tremendous, no doubt, and it was a hell of a get bringing him with you. Uh, on the opposing player thing, since we were talking about Roddy, for you guys, who was the toughest individual matchup in the conference? This year, um, Roddy is, I would say Roddy is player of the year, in, in my opinion. But I think a lot of the reason why some of these guys are so hard to guard is they are very good players, but they're also on very good teams. Maldonado was by far the most unique prep because he's a six seven point guard. If you don't trap him, he's going to score it every time. If you do trap him... He's going to kick it out to somebody for a three. Um, so, you know, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a terrific conference with a lot of very good basketball players. I did not see Bryce Hamilton in person because right. uh, I had COVID. Uh, I was out. So I blame that on Eric Brown, a former assistant, right. UNLV assistant coach. I say it's his fault. But, you know, I'd probably say Roddy and, and, um, and Maldonado would probably have been the two toughest. Graham E.K. was another one that was – phenomenal as well yeah uh that's a great one for eric brown and we know eric from coaching here at unlv and i was like hey eric you helped bring bryce hamilton to unlv now see what you've done 
right? Now you, now you go against him head-to-head, and, and uh, he gives you trouble. I'll give you a guy that, that I, I, I really like in this conference, and I think he's going to be a pro, and I think he's going to be like a 10-year pro. Not a superstar, but I was blown away in the two games when I watched Nathan Mensa play center but also cover point guards. And he covered Bryce Hamilton as well as anyone on switches that I've seen this season. He, that guy is a great defensive player. Yeah, he, he certainly has a chance. I mean, I think we all – we all obsess over who's a pro and who's not a pro, right? I mean, we all play the game, um, and I always needle my players with that. But um, I, a lot of it for these guys is going to have to be because I don't think anybody in our league is going to be some lottery pick. So you're going to have to fill a role of some sort. And Mensah, like you said, I mean, you, the NBA is almost always about switching ball screens. So there's great value there. I even thought Warren Washington, when we played him, he's been a little bit hurt, but he had length and athleticism to do some things. I think Bryce Hamilton has a chance. What I have not seen is I haven't seen him in person, so I don't know how tall he is. You know, I know he's listed about 6'5". Um, but I always tell people this, like, if you want to be a pro, be a great player. That That's first and foremost. That's going to give you a chance. Now we'll see how the measurements line up, but... We were talking about today in the office about who's first team all conference. There's going to be some really good players being left off that thing. No doubt. And the other big question, and you know, I threw this out to my audience, is what do you do with Boise State? They won the conference um, in pretty dominating fashion, but they don't have anyone averaging over 14-4. So uh, do the coaches go, hey, you know what? The first place team has to have an all conference player on that first team. Uh, you know, honestly, I've got a lot of respect for what Leon did. I don't know the way the Mountain West is. I'm assuming it's five players. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would think with Kijap missing some time, um, you know, that might hurt them. I don't think I'd put one on there. I think they, they're the best team. They've earned it. Uh, I just don't know how you don't have Roddy, uh, Bryce Hamilton, um, you know, E.K., Maldonado. I mean, some of those guys, and then probably Bradley just because of what he's done. So, Terrific conference. Really a lot of good players. Mountain West Conference Tournament's in town next week right here in Vegas. Actually, the ladies start this weekend. The men kick off, uh, tip off, on uh, Wednesday. You can get your tickets at UNLVtickets.com. So for your team, um, you know, what's the what's the motivation here? you got you know this final chance here. You can make a magical run. And I, sur- I would think you put up the carrot and go, hey, um, you know, we beat Wyoming. That's one of the best teams in the conference. We can do this. We can make a run. Well, you know, it's hard because – we're in such a drastic rebuild right now. Um, it's, it's probably us in San Jose who have, you know, coaches were fired. It's a little bit different than the UNLV situation because obviously Coach Kruger was there. Uh, obviously you got a guy in Bryce Hamilton to stay. There's a little bit more continuity. I think with us, San Jose, we're clearly rebuilding. So what I've really tried to do with our guys is not make it about wins and losses right now. Um, you know, we were a program that was 303 in the net last year. We've got a lot of work to do. So I kind of anticipated kind of an up-and-down season. Um, we've had some really good moments. I mean, winning at New Mexico State, obviously beating Wyoming at home, uh, sweeping Air Force. I mean, there's been some good moments. But we're not even close to where we need to be. So I've really tried to narrow our focus on all that. Um, it's an exciting time. I've been lucky to be a part of some conference tournament championships. And honestly, those moments have almost been better than the NCAA tournament. They're just a lot of fun. So, um, you know, the, 
our fans travel well always to Vegas. So let's go see if we can uh, have a little fun, but but also uh, do it together. We're, we're constantly trying to build all these moments for the future moving forward. Coach, we appreciate a couple minutes. Thanks for chatting with us, and we'll see you when you're here in Vegas. All right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. There he is, Richard Patino, the head coach at New Mexico. He'll get that thing turned around. Sure. He, he recruited well in Minnesota, um, and as he said there, without really uh, you know, blowing the horn too hard, New Mexico fans are awesome, yep. and they're still getting like 7,500 in the pit. As soon as they show signs of being a consistent winner again, that place will be packed, and it is a really rough place to play. Yeah, that's the big thing is the atmosphere. And they've got tradition yep. behind them, so he'll get players there. It's just they – New Mexico for the last five or six years, and you know it was a lot like UNLV. UNLV, it was the freaking mash unit. A lot of these seasons where they just couldn't get to the finish line with a very healthy team, and they were thin to begin with at New Mexico, and they got thinner as it went along. But unless something changes, they're going to have Mashburn and Jalen House, two young guards, to build around. They are going to be good down the road, and they'll be, they'll be a little bit of a test here in the Mountain West Conference tournament. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. It is Cofield and Company. We are live at the Thomas and Mac. Doubleheader tonight. UNLV Lady Rebels at 6. The men play at 7.30, and you can hear that right here on ESPN. Or you can just come down and enjoy it and support because it is senior night for the men. It is senior night for the ladies. They're playing Reno. And you can also hear Steve on the call on your view. And, uh, Ari, it's grab bag time. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So, you know, the Pac-12 Women Tournament is here in Las Vegas. Uh, the Pac-12 men start up next week. But the Pac-12 women's basketball coaches, they have reached a boiling point, Ari. They want the conference to address gamesmanship and forfeits. They are not happy with it. These, This is the conference home of the reigning women's not only national champion but runner-up, Stanford and Arizona, with an incredible game last year. Um, they're projected to have six teams in this year's NC2A tournament, the entire conference Ranked in the net top 100 as of Tuesday, matched only by the SEC. But this past week, the issue of gamesmanship by a quarter of the league's coaches over the past two seasons has reached a boiling point following a pair of forfeits by UCLA and Arizona State for refusing to play conference games this season for what were deemed insufficient reasons. So, you know, they're finding themselves up against it, and they don't want to play for whatever reason. And Tara Vanderveer, the, the biggest name in that conference, the biggest, co- the, you know, big name Hall of Famer, the winningest all-time women's coach, she said, this that's very frustrating. I don't understand that at all. How you wouldn't want to play a game like at Oregon. I think COVID has really affected everybody. We need to get back to our normal of you get on that plane and you play. So, um yeah, it's, it, and that can be frustrating because, you know, you're sort of losing the competitive edge. You're losing the edge of what is supposed to be one of the prominent, two most prominent conferences in women's college basketball. It's not a good look at all. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Um, so there's a report out. The WNBA's Liberty fined $500,000 for chartering flights 
for players. Now, that is against league rules because there are some teams that can't afford to do so. Um, The players can foot their own bill if they want to upgrade to first class. Otherwise, they're being handed a plane ticket. They're playing. Uh, they're they're sitting in coach, and they're flying. If you uh, those local remember, a couple of years back, the Las Vegas Aces had a terrible situation. Flights were being canceled. They were being shuffled everywhere. They ended up speaking of canceling games. They ended up having to forfeit a game because of fatigue. And Bill Lambier was not going to put his players on the floor and sort of risk their health, their safety, because of fatigue. They weren't going to be able to run. You run the risk of, of injuries, cramping, um, whatever it may be. So, But the Liberty have been fined half a million dollars per a report um, because they charter flights, which is against the WNBA collective bargaining agreement to maintain competitive balance. You know, earlier, uh, not too long ago, we heard Liz Cambage speak out, now with the Los Angeles Sparks. We actually heard Mark Davis during a Zoom say that he agreed with Liz in that the women need to be treated better. They need to be treated fairly. They need to they, they need to be reached out to and, and, and be allowed to have chartered flights. You know what I mean? And Mark Davis even said, these are tall women being cramped into these seats. They need leg room. They deserve equal treatment. And it makes no sense in what the, the, the report said that they were threatening was that they were going to take away all of their draft picks. They were going to take away the franchise, Ari, which is absolutely wow. ludicrous. I never heard of such a thing. You are going to take away the New York Liberty from, look at the basketball mecca, Madison Square Garden, right, where, where, where that hosts the Knicks. The Big Apple, you're going to take that franchise away because they chartered flights for the for to for the comfort of the players. Something has to be done to correct this on the league's part. In that, you know, and and if that means that there are franchises with owners that cannot afford to do so, well, then possibly the league or maybe the NBA, since the NBA owns the WNBA, can step up and help fund this. But these ladies definitely deserve better treatment. And if this report is true, shame on the WNBA. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Uh, so, Ari, do you know what today is? <laughs> today is in a big anniversary. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so excited. I'm just kidding. I, I know nothing about Casablanca except that it is... The day that it won the Academy Award for Best Picture. It did. I get that right? It did. It did. I believe it was 1946 on this day. As I say it, the greatest movie of all time won the Academy Award for Best Picture. That is Casablanca with Humphrey Bogart, of course. Uh, What's your favorite movie of all time, Ari? That's a tough question. Um... I because it, it, I'm always I'm big on genres so like are we talking this that for I will just say one thing for a comedy and it stood the test of time Office Space okay. love Office Space okay. and it still applies to today. So uh-huh. I, I could do genres, but I could I also have my my top movies and you know a lot of people they always when they try to guess my favorite movies it's always mafia stuff mafia right? stuff <laughs> yes of course it's Godfather or Goodfellas or Casino Casino actually ranks a little lower than some of my movies. Um, not that I disliked it. It's just 
Um, One's up there for me. I uh, Casablanca is number one. The Godfather is number two. Mm. Um, no surprise there. Some of, some of the surprises that might be in my top ten were Brian Song hmm. with uh, James Caan, Billy D. Williams, okay. um, the original Bad News Bears. Wow, with Walter Matthau. That falls in like maybe in my top ten, just because. I mean, and um, I'll never forget. <laughs> some old school Las Vegas people might remember this, but on Maryland Parkway down from the Boulevard Mall. There was the Parkway Theaters, and right next to it was the Boulevard. In the Parkway, there were three theaters. Back then, it was like a quarter to go to the movies. <laughs> and you get dropped off there, and you'd bounce from theater to theater to theater, and you could sit, you could watch it. And Yeesh. I think I watched the Bad News Bears like four times in one day. A so A quarter sounds good. I actually, I'm not quite as old. I always rip on you guys for being so old compared to me. Back in the day, though, when I was a young and we had a place called The Ritz, and it was $1 for a movie. Real theater, too, so... Yeah. Man, they, times have changed. They had the Fox Theater downtown in this shopping plot, or not downtown, off uh, East Charleston, and it was 50 cents. And they'd have like a big, and then of course they had the black and white movies at the old MGM, which is now Bally's, but you had the black oh. and white and you had the high lie. So good times back then, but good times tonight at Cox Pavilion, UNLV Lady Rebels. They tip at 6, 7.30. The men, check it out here on ESPN 1100 or get down to the Thomas and Mack.